Hi there, I'm Matt Ashburn, host of the Needlestack podcast. Needlestack is brought to you by Authenticate, creators of the go-to online investigation platform, Silo for Research. If you're looking for a way to conduct research anonymously, protect against cyber threats, all while avoid tipping off your investigative targets, then you want to try Silo for Research. The Silo Research platform completely isolates your online web browsing, allowing you a choice of location and digital fingerprint, and also has built-in workflow and automation tools. The best part is that Silo for Research is software as a service, so it can be used from any computer or location without the need for things like virtual machines, standalone networks, or, or dirty networks. To learn more about Silo for Research, visit Authenticate.com. That's Authentic with the number 8.com. When you start looking at things like the travel to place you're going to, you know, the specific area, uh, you can start looking at things like the gear that you're bringing with you, the gear that you're using, what are the vulnerabilities inside that and how to mitigate those. Uh, and, you know, just the, the, the resources available to the staff that's traveling with you anywhere you go, there's a footprint there and how to mitigate the, the size of that footprint as well as, you know, the defense or something that might kind of try and bump up against it. Welcome to Needlestack, the podcast for professional online research. I'm your host, Matt Ashburn, a cybersecurity professional with a penchant for OSINT and all things research related. And I'm Jeff Phillips, tech industry veteran and curious to a fault. You know, today we have a very special guest with us. All our guests are special, but we like this one the best. He's here to talk about the role of OSINT in organizational security, corporate security, and executive protection, and a bunch of other use cases. Uh, that, that he'll talk about. Mick Baccio from a uh, Splunk. He's on the Surge team at Splunk. He's a global security strategist. And by the way, he has a great show on LinkedIn. If you haven't seen it, you want to take a look at it. Uh, Mick and I have worked together in the DC cybersecurity community for several years, and he has tons of experience using open source for a variety of things, including protecting uh, organizations and individuals that are highly at risk. And so welcome to the show, Mick. We're glad to have you. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. It's great to be here. Yeah, great. That's awesome to, to have you here. You know, open source research is extremely useful for threat protection. We talk about it many times in terms of cyber threat protection, but also in general for cybersecurity uh, and even more broadly uh, in technical security and physical security. So what do we mean by that? We mean talking about protecting an organization, a person, uh, a corporation, including when they're uh, not only in their uh, organization boundaries, but even outside, such as on travel. So uh, you're definitely missing out if you don't use open source research. Mick, can you tell us a little bit about uh, some of the threats that are out there and how open source plays a role? Sure. I think open source research and anything that you're doing, you know, as far as threat detection and, and how, how to leverage that comes into play in every I guess every facet of your travel really. My background lends itself into you know, the other side of, of, of the threat model. So when you're looking at travel and you're looking at, at protection for that, you have the force protection and the physical threats, you know, and that's where uh, your protective detail, body man comes into place, things like that. On the technical side of things, you know, those cyber threats, uh, open source, it, it's, it's incredible how useful it is. And I didn't think I realized that until after I left the government. Uh, when you start looking at things like 
the travel, the place you're going to, you know, the specific area. Uh, you can start looking at things like the gear that you're bringing with you, the gear that you're using, what are the vulnerabilities inside that and how to mitigate those. Uh, and, you know, just the, the, the resources available to the staff that's traveling with you anywhere you go, there's a footprint there and how to mitigate the, the size of that footprint, as well as, you know, the defense is something that might kind of try and bump up against it. Yeah, that's, that's really great. And, you know, you hit on something there about travel. Uh, something that folks may not know about you is that you were actually the first full-time CISO for a presidential campaign. Is that right? Uh, how did this play in, in in some of that experience? It's it's really weird for me. So I was the CISO for uh, Pete Buttigieg, you know, Mayor Pete out of Indiana, who's currently the Department of Transportation Secretary. Uh, I was the first guy to do it, which is really weird when you think about what the role entails. My background being threat intelligence from the White House, I get it. I was a natural fit. Uh, and, and being able to leverage a lot of the, the you know, protections for a principal on that travel, wherever your principal goes, the entire office goes and you adjust your threat model for that. So you look at, obviously, you look at something like doxing, right? My, my executive, my CEO, whoever that might be, my, my, whoever's traveling with me, that person I'm trying to protect from a technical level, what footprint do they have online and what are their vulnerabilities? But then you start looking at the folks that travel with them, their executive staff, their support staff, and their auxiliary staff that come with them, uh, even down to family members, what kind of footprint do they have online that could be leveraged by an adversary? And it's really, really interesting how OSINT comes into play with things like that. Hey, Mick, I totally get it uh, for sure on the, you know, the physical security, especially when mm -hmm. someone's traveling and protecting them. I can imagine with someone, you know, that high, high up uh, that's running in a campaign or even, you know, your CEO, would OSIN come into other, other types of executive protection online? Like if there's mis misinformation spreading about them or um, uh, some of their private information gets published online and starts spreading, I can imagine you could start to apply it to their virtual identity also. And I think that's what the crazy thing is. I, you're 100% right, Jeff. Um, when you you are a, a public figure, the smallest bit of misinformation, you know, it just to see how it travels is incredible, how, how fast it's spread and how wide it spreads from just a nascent starting point. And, and, and there's a lot of folks that track that, you know, fantastic team. I know over at Graphica, you look at Facebook, the work that they're doing, um, they, they kind of are able to track how wide that goes. I think from, you know, as, as an individual on a team, if I'm at a company, I don't know if there's much you can do to stop the spread of that, but just to be aware of it for situational awareness, I think goes a long way. Uh, and I, I know there are firms out there that do track your, I guess, um, I guess it'd be brand reputation, but I know that's for companies, but I guess, you know, sure. companies are people. So for people too, why not? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I, I, that information is super useful, super, re you know, on both sides of the fence. I know what's out there. I know what's not out there. And um, I think you can adjust your threat model based on that. These are the things that are, I need to, hey, that's not true. I need to put this out or just to be aware of when you're traveling somewhere. Can you expand on that a little bit, Mick? Uh, you know, you talked about how this can affect the threat model and this information can be shared amongst different teams with different missions. Uh, can you expand on that a little bit about how open source research can be applied and gathered uh, and then how do you share that information internally? What are some of the, I guess, the internal customers of, of that information? So one of the uh, 
you know, that's the hardest thing to do, I guess. We've always had that problem. Information gets stovepiped. So how do you share information internally, externally? And, you know, you've said it on these before, Matt, in our history together. You kind of get all the folks together in the same room that need to hear the information. You have your threat intelligence teams, uh, specifically in this case, it'd be your OSINT team, generate a whole report based, hey, we're going here. Here are the technical threats from start to finish. Here's some strategies to mitigate them. And all the players that are involved in that, you know, that trip that you're going on are in the room to hear that briefing. Uh, whether it's your comms folks, your legal folks, your logistics folks, you know, other folks that are traveling, other department heads, everyone that needs to hear that information, disseminate that out to their staff, you know, it's kind of a cascading effect. But I think having that centralized part, that centralized briefing is super, super useful. Um, I think when you look at it, especially when I remember my time in a campaign, every facet of a campaign has a security story that you need to tell. And OSINT is a huge part of that. When you look on a campaign, things like fundraising, you know, where you look at financial crime, which is a huge, huge problem. You could use OSINT to see what is targeting specific campaigns, what is targeting the political landscape and kind of build those defenses and, and make folks aware of those, you know, just using OSINT. Yeah. You know, and you touched on something that was important. There is getting all the different teams in the same room, whether it's the hundred you know, percent in a corporate example, right? Your PR folks, your cybersecurity folks, physical security folks, uh, whoever they may be. Right. And also the other thing is the executive, the principal, whoever's leading that particular event or that travel uh, or, or whatever the case is, right. Whatever you're, it is you're planning ahead of uh, having them in the same room. Yeah. It gets them on the same page, but I think even more importantly, uh, having the executive or the principal there really does reinforce the desire to have good security tradecraft. And, and, oh, it's that buy-in, uh, right? When the buy-in yeah, comes exactly. from the top, it sets the stage. It, it's, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and to build onto that, you know, all the, the principal levels that I've got, the best thing you can do is just tabletop. Everything that could possibly go wrong, every scenario you can think of, hey, what do we do with X, Y, Z? The same thing you would do at incident response, uh, this is something you plan out beforehand, you know, before you go on this, if this happens, what is our response? And you as, as the, the network defense blue team or guy, you've leveraged the OSINT from that team. You've leveraged whatever closed source you might be, you know, using as well. But even if it's just OSINT, hey, here's the defenses we need to put in place before we go wheels up anywhere. And to have all the folks there in the same room to hear it, I, I think that's that, you know, that pays off in space. And also it helps to shut down any uh, any potential pushback from folks. Because let's be frank, security can be very difficult sometimes, right? It can be very inconvenient. And I mean, that's our job. Pushback from that's 100% that. our job. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. um, every place because <laughs> exactly. you, you can have operations without security, right? But you can't have security without operations. That's um, right. It's, it's does your radio work? Yes. Is your radio secure? Right. As a as a user, I just want to say, I was going to say, as a user, I want to validate that you guys make things tremendously difficult. So, great job, great job on that front. That's that's our job, and you know, you find to that that balance between um, usability and security. Uh, that's again, I think where OSINT comes into play. Um, I'm using XYZ radio set on this trip. I know it has this vulnerability that I've researched online. I've looked at the CVSS score. I've looked online at the databases. You know, I've done all my, my open source research on, a, on this vulnerability and how bad it is. But then it goes into, 
uh, probable versus is practical. You know, I, I know this threat could happen, but will it? And and that's where that threat modeling comes into play. But through OSINT, I think you're able to get a better picture of that and have a more informed threat model. Yeah, that's great. And talking about that threat model, you know, and the research that you do, um, I, I guess to kind of close up here, can you can you leave folks with perhaps some of the key questions that they should be asking as they're conducting research? What are those questions that they should be asking and, and seeking answers to through the research? You know, I, I think when you bring it down to just that that technical side of things, you're looking at something like uh, misinformation, doxing, and what that technical threat travel risk is. I think those are the big things on any trip. Your your travel risk, your misinformation, and, and doxing, those are the big things. When you wrap all those up, that's your footprint. And either you want to make that footprint smaller or you want to figure out how to kind of lock it inside of a box. Mm-hmm. But looking at that as, as your, your starting point and from there... You know, once you have that foundation, it branches out. That makes a lot of sense. Even that misinformation side, right? Um, when you mentioned earlier, other people in the room, that that could be something more so your PR team's in, interested in if there's any protests when you land or anything like that, in addition to all the safety and, and physical safety of, of the of the VIP. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, Mick, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, really appreciate all, all the time and, and the uh some of the stories and advice you've given folks today. Uh, Also, thank you to the viewers at home for tuning in today. If you liked what you heard, you can always subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch episodes for free on YouTube and also view transcripts and other episode information on our website at Authenticate, that's Authentic with the number 8.com slash Needlestack. And be sure to follow us and ask questions as well on Needlestack underscore pod on Twitter. And by the way, if you uh, want to follow Mick and all of his antics on Twitter, you can follow him as well at NoHackMe. So an excellent Twitter handle. If you're not following him, you absolutely should be. Lots of entertaining and useful information as well. Uh, We'll be back next week with more of our tour on OSINT, looking at how it applies for cyber threat intelligence. See you then. Hi there, I'm Matt Ashburn, host of the Needlestack podcast. Needlestack is brought to you by Authenticate, creators of the go-to online investigation platform, Silo for Research. If you're looking for a way to conduct research anonymously, protect against cyber threats, all while avoid tipping off your investigative targets, then you want to try Silo for Research. The Silo Research platform completely isolates your online web browsing, allowing you a choice of location and digital fingerprint, and also has built-in workflow and automation tools. The best part is that Silo for Research is software as a service, so it can be used from any computer or location without the need for things like virtual machines, standalone networks, or, or dirty networks. To learn more about Silo for Research, visit Authenticate.com. That's Authentic with the number 8, .com.